That's great. I encourage you to read it. But if you have one here, that's even better. You can turn with me in it to Luke chapter 22. If you don't have your Bible, raise your hand and Josh would love to pass one out. What a joy to get into God's Word this morning. I know my feelings aren't always accurate, but I kind of feel we're feeling a little quiet this morning or low or tired, and that could be just not true, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but God is great, amen? amen. And we should be encouraged, and we should be excited to hear His Word this morning. You know what? We get joy. We should come here happy and thrilled that we get to worship and be together and hear God's Word. Amen. Is that a little bit of a pep talk? I used to be a coach, but let's go team! Okay, alright. <laughs> let's get back to reality. Alright, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Hopefully God's Word will really encourage you this morning and you will leave this place feeling loved and encouraged um, by Jesus. So Luke twenty two thirty one, the words of Jesus, our series. Some people are asking, how long are we we'll be here? We'll be here as I don't know, a long time. So there's a lot of words until God directs us somewhere else. But here, Luke, he's the uh, writer with the most print about Jesus. By the way, if you ever wondered what gospel has the most writing of the words of Jesus, it is Luke. Luke is very detailed. We know he was a doctor. I've heard it said he was the nosy writer. He was always getting in to figure out what was going on. And here we hear something that we haven't really heard before. And it says this in verse 31 of chapter 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. I have turned to me that your faith should not fail, brethren. And in these words... It's absolutely mind-blowing if you think of them this morning. It's encouraging that Jesus was intercessing for Peter. That Jesus knew the temptation and the difficulty and the trial. And that Satan wanted to rip Peter apart. And Jesus interceded for him, prayed for him, that his faith would not fail. And I find that absolutely incredible because we face the same enemy in evil and Satan wants nothing good for you. Do you understand that? He wants to destroy you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to deceive you. We learned last week of the reality of eternity and the reality of hell and Satan would love it as he can take as many people as he can. But Jesus, this perfect picture of God, is praying and interceding for Peter and I believe today is interceding for me and for you. So here's the encouraging word that we can say to each other very clearly that Jesus is praying for you right now. So no crybabies here saying, nobody prays for me. They'll pray for Pastor Dan. Or they'll pray for so-and-so and my mother. Or this. Jesus is interceding for you right now. And that is, to me, an incredible encouragement when I feel alone in the battle that someone, and not just someone, the greatest someone, is interceding for you. 
You feeling down this morning? Jesus is praying for you. You feeling like your sins are too much? He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. It says very clearly in Romans 8.34, making intercession for you. Who is he who condemns, it says in Romans 8.34? It is Christ who died and rose again forevermore and is risen and is at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Think about that. And the word in Greek for intercession to help you out is he's pleading at the right side of God for you, showing probably his hands and feet and saying, yes, they blew it, but I paid the price and I am crying out for them right now. Again, and isn't that amazing? Every person in the world, Christ knows each one and is interceding and praying for them. And the word pleading, pleading. Have you ever pleaded? I have some kids in my house who plead when they want something. And it's a nonstop record. And the number one person doesn't live at home anymore. Heard it day and night, morning, lunch. That's what he wanted for his birthday. And that was it. And again and again and again. And you know people like that, but think about that. That is Jesus for you. Morning, noon, and night. Crying out for you this morning. Hebrews 7.25, our great and awesome high priest, able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, he always lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is the great high priest, and that's his job, and that's what he lives to do, is to plead to God on your behalf. This is God's word this morning, and this is incredibly encouraging. Man, Jesus is good. God loves you so much. Jesus loves you so much. Not only did he just die, he continues to minister for you, pleading. Day. I'm just going to give you four other things I believe that Jesus is praying for us. If in your Bible you'll turn with me to John chapter 17. It's the uh, great priestly high prayer, sometimes named. It's the longest prayer that we have of Jesus. And he prays for a lot of things. But what's interesting in this prayer, in John 17, not only does he pray for himself, but he prays for his disciples, and he prays for all believers who will follow. And I find it interesting, if he's praying for his disciples, I'm sure he's praying some of these things for us as well. I'm going to start in verse 6. Maybe you can follow along with me in John 17. I've manifested your name, this is Jesus praying, to the men whom you have given me out of this world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, 
that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take the one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify you say them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you love. Look at this. There's four things from this section that popped out into my mind that Jesus is praying for his disciples and believers after, and I believe for us, and I'm hoping you can remember them if we repeat them. I love to do this in my Bible classes because repetition makes for more memory. Amen? And it's no good if you leave here forgetting everything. So I don't remember what I preached on last week. No, just... And, and if I asked you, you might forget. But if we repeat it again and again. So you got to know, you're leaving this place. Jesus is interceding, pleading for you. You got that? Everyone, you got that? <laughs> All right, Jesus is pleading for you. Okay, what does he want most of all repeated for his disciples and believers? You probably saw it very clearly, that we would be unified. That we would... Because he knows that we like to fight. He knows we like to separate. He knows, or knew, or does know, that there's over 30-some thousand denominations that think they have it right. And they like to fight and push and quarrel over this, that, and the other. And I'm not really talking about non-Christians, Christians, or what you think is a, a little bit of a line. I'm talking people who believe in Jesus who are not one or unified because their truth is the correct truth and my truth isn't. And believe me, I know this is a problem because I've lived in that world. The reality is Jesus is praying, I hope they know they're all on the same team. But we act like we're on different teams. We act like a hawk of the Baptist. And there was more brawls in that league. And I even took part in one. Oh, I didn't fight, though. <laughs> I was going to say I was the only one on the bench, but because I just don't know how to fight. But anyways, 
Why does that happen? But that's just a picture of reality that we all think that we have to build our kingdom and RCF's building their kingdom and the Baptists are building their kingdom when the reality is we are supposed to be building the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew that this would be a problem and that's why he's calling out and saying, would they understand to be one, to be unified, even if there was 11 disciples at, the, at that point thinking, these guys are going to fight. I got to pray they're going to be unified because Peter's going to want to do this and John's going to want to do this and who knows about Matthew. He's probably off, I don't know, maybe he's doing his thing. He's like, we have a common purpose. And Jesus knows as well, blessing that goes beyond many things when we come corporately together as the body of Christ, there is a blessing of the Holy Spirit upon ministry then. And we see that in Psalm 133, as I mentioned before, how good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's like the oil on Aaron's beard. And the key word when you hear oil in the Old Testament, it's an anointing and it's a blessing of the Holy Spirit. And it just pours down his beard. And when we are unified with our brothers and sisters, the blessing of the Holy Spirit comes. Amen. And this is what he's praying and desiring. And this is what we have to understand he desires of us. Started meeting with some pastors and praying and how refreshing it is. I don't want to talk about ministry. I just want to cry. Jesus called them together and we meet once a month. I'm like, I don't want to talk about ministry. I just want to cry out for souls. That's what I said. I don't want to talk about What's going on at your place or your programs? I want to meet together to call out for souls. I want to come together and call out to our God for people to come to know Him. I want to pray that God would encourage us as we do His work because we are on the same team. One of the pastors who was there had a neat illustration, almost like the gates in Jerusalem where there are 12. You can enter any gate, but you go to the same place, the city of Jerusalem. And same for us. A church can be seen as a gate, but it only leads you in to being on the team, the team being Christians who love Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where you enter, amen? If someone comes to get saved and they say, oh, pastor, I got saved and I'm, and I'm going over to this church. What should be my first response? I can't believe you're going there. How ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. It should be praise God. I don't care where you go as long as they preach Jesus Christ. Because we are the body of Christ. And he spends so much time. Not only does he say it once to his disciples in this section, he says it again. And there's going to be things that rise in you that want to tell you that you're better than... Bless them. Bless them. And those are lies from hell that we have to depart and say, Lord, bless them. Bless their ministry. Amen. Because he will bless us as he blesses them because we're working together for one purpose, and that's to worship and glorify Jesus Christ. And I think if we lead the way, other believers will follow. 
And we should be working together. What a joy to be with RCF and do youth group together. It's been like a shot in the arm. All these kids coming from nowhere. You know, we could do our little thing with our seven kids. There is when we come together and share our resources for the kingdom of God. So unity is one. The second one I want to point out. In verse 13, if you'll turn there. But I've come to you in these things. I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That's his prayer. His prayer for the disciples, and I believe for us, is that we would have the joy of Jesus Christ, that we would be filled with Christ's joy. What is Christ's joy? You ever ask yourself? Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 just quickly in your Bibles. If you want to follow along, we'll take a quick look. What is the joy of Christ? Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was Christ's joy that he endured so much pain? It was you. Isn't that amazing? Why did he go through that? He will obey the Father, and because he loved you. The joy of Christ is you. The joy of Christ is others. The joy is blessing others. The joy is sacrificing for others. The joy is not focusing on ourselves. That's Christ's joy. And his prayer for us is that we would be filled with that type of joy. See, the joy of the Lord joy is our, us is our strength. It's His joy that's our strength. That's what it says. His joy in us is our strength. He loves us and we are His joy and that strengthens us. Amen. And He prays that we will have the same joy. Here's the problem though. Joy is when I receive something. Joy, what is joy for me? When my team wins, what is joy for me? I get a good mark on a test. What's joy? I get a raise, right? What's joy? I get a new car. What's joy to me? Well, my wife says, your hair looks nice today. What is joy? Joy is about me. Joy is getting. Joy is anything that blesses me. That's not biblical joy. Biblical joy is me giving, sacrificing, and seeing other people lifted up. And that's the joy, my joy fulfilled in them, the joy of Jesus he wants in us. Think about that. Is that your life? Is that how you get joy? By helping others? I think as we get older, we recognize that a little bit, right? If I help someone, I have way more joy than helping myself. It's absolutely way more joyful in ministry, in marriage, with my children, not to try and satisfy myself, though the devil sneaks in and lies to me. My greatest joy and happiness comes in simply sacrificing for others. 
And we need to be set straight on that because our world lies to us and tells us something different each and every week. Only if I had, only if someone loved me more, only if my life was different, only, only, only. No, that's not joy. Christ's joy is I'm going to make your life different. I'm going to bless you today. I'm going to sacrifice for you. How about it? If you're a parent, when you sacrifice for your child, else you can receive. Nothing compares to the sacrifice of seeing them grow. Amen. That's what Jesus wants in us. Because it's his heart. And that's why he's praying for us. The next one in verse 15, he says, Do not take them out of the world. But he prays that he, they, or they, he prays that they would be kept from the evil one. Reminds me of the Lord's Prayer. Do not lead them into temptation and deliver them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. It's God's heart to keep us from Satan and evil. And I don't think it's physical. Sometimes, well, then I wouldn't get sick. Then I wouldn't, this wouldn't happen that's not what he's talking about. Spiritually, that we would be kept by Christ. And that's what he's praying against all the arrows of the enemy. And that's why we have the armor of God. Jesus has probably been praying for you a lot of times that you can look back and say, I could have went the wrong way. But somehow, he's pulled me back into his love. The last couple of weeks in home group, we've been doing exercises or in my Bible classes where we've been trying to be thankful or count our blessings. So one of the exercises was try and write down 100 blessings. I encourage you all to do it. Go home, get a piece of paper. You'll get to 15 and you'll be like, um, I don't know. You could write down anything. What is a blessing in your life? And of course, the first five, my house, my family, you know, my cars, my bank account. Well, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And then when you have those, keep going. <laughs> and keep going. But one of the things I realize is many people have done this exercise with me is they start to realize the little things that God has done for them and kept them from that come on the list as you get through it. And they say, I have forgotten all that God has kept me from and blessed me with. But sometimes we seriously need to do that exercise to see, oh man, I remember when, oh man, I was going this way. But someone was holding me. And I'm telling you, Jesus was keeping you. Man, that's good. We need to be thankful that Christ is praying to keep us from the evil one, because he truly does want to destroy us, but he's given the, us the avenue and the ability to live in protection as he prays for us. There's something, I don't know, parents, do you ever do this? Or friends of friends? I would say almost a daily thing. How do I pray for my kids? One of the things I've prayed is simply this. Lord, would you keep them from evil? Lord, would you keep them from evil. Lord, would you lead them not into temptation? Lord, would you keep them from evil? And then I get excited. Oh! That's how we're to pray for each other if Christ is praying for us. Lord, protect us spiritually from the lies 
of the evil one. Lord, keep us from evil. Finally, verse 17 says this. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. So if we can backtrack, the first one is Jesus is praying for, number one was unity. That will be unified, that will be one. Number two, that we will have his joy. Number three, what is it? Keep us from evil. You ready for the test? Three out of four, not bad. <laughs> Number four, that we'd be sanctified. That word means set apart by the Father's truth of what he thinks, that we would be different than the world around us, that we would be set apart from the system of the world and the thinking of the world because Jesus knows it's got this way of slowly seeping into our heads whereas Christians try to merge the thoughts of this world and the thoughts of God and we're no different than the world. Hello! <laughs> Ever experienced it? Well, let me give you a little example where I... All of you sports fans might have heard this week there was controversy, or maybe not, maybe you don't listen, but there was five players or six players of the Ottawa Senators. How many heard this story? They were in an Uber cab, they were driving, and unfortunately, that guy had a video recording of what happened. And these six players were saying things they shouldn't have said. If they were saying swear words, it wouldn't have been bad necessarily, but they were talking bad about their coach, one of their coaches. So it was splashed all over the news. Not only did they say bad, coach this bad. Paraphrase, blah, 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 blah. Right? We know it. So I woke up in the morning, I heard this story. What do you think my first thought was? My first thought was, they got caught. They're all in <laughs> Yeah, but then I thought, I'm an idiot. Because guess what? Aren't you glad that there's not a camera in your car or your house when you're talking about Pastor Dan? <laughs> oh, just kidding, just kidding. Your boss, your family, those closest to you, your classmates. One of us has done the serious. You want to say, oh, I can't believe them. Every one of us has done the exact same thing. Right? Unless you, okay, maybe not everyone, all right? 90% of you, but I'm going to just speak of myself. I've done it in my life, and I shouldn't have, which led people to say this. I don't blame them, but they're dummies for getting caught. Right? Everyone does it. The problem is they got caught. So, you know what? That taxi driver, Uber driver, how could he do that? That was private material, right? That's how we think. And the world says the same thing. The world says, well, their only mistake was they got caught because penalty kill stinks. And someone had to say something. And that is our normal thinking that that is acceptable, but the problem is that they got caught. 
And that morning I was thinking of the verse that came to my mind, you better watch out what you whisper in your bedroom because it's going to be shouted from the housetops. And if that doesn't run a little conviction through you, it ran a whole lot through me. Because I've said things about people I shouldn't have said. But as I talk to different people and listen to different news agencies here, but no talk about it, it was almost like, okay, this is normal behavior, but no one said this is not correct behavior. It's normal, it's incorrect that they got caught. But here what I'm trying to do is we are to be sanctified by the truth of God. And the example is normal behavior in the world or even the Christian world isn't God's truth, correct behavior. That was magnified to me as I listened to a couple of different sermons about that and how we get so set into the normal that we forget normal isn't correct. And you could take anything. You take gossip, slander. We can take how we treat others. We can, you, the, end, the list could be endless to the world has changed God's word and just compromised here and there. So normal isn't correct. But Jesus, knowing that, prays this. No, I want them to be different. I want them to be, I want them to be set apart by what? By my truth. And so the truth is for those players, if they had a problem, the right behavior would be to go to the individual and speak to them and not speak to anybody else or not speak about anyone in a bad light at all where you degrade them. Even our prime minister or our politicians, we have no right to speak negatively about them. But yet, it's normal behavior to say, oh, I can't believe them. And the conviction which ran in me should ring in all of us that normal is not correct. And Jesus says, I pray that Christians, disciples, will be set apart, sanctified, different in my truth. And the world is spinning and turning in sexuality and different things where things are acceptable. But we have to say, I will be. No, it's not. In my life, it's not acceptable, and I will be different than the world, and I will not compromise on this or that or the other, because God's truth is clear, and this is what sanctifies me. And this is Jesus talking to us. This is Jesus praying for us. And the idea is sometimes we don't know correct because we're so involved in the normal that the normal becomes right. But it's not unless we know the truth. Amen? And I see one normal, but know myself sometimes. Living in normal, accepting normal, but normal is not godly. Normal is not godly. And it starts up here. Sermon I was listening to, it starts up here. How do you think truth, what you're supposed to do? And even in this teaching, truth is being hopeful. Truth is being thankful. Truth is believing in a God who can do the impossible. Right there, we're so normal. Oh, God doesn't do the, the miracles anymore. God, God's just normal. God's not normal. But we think normal. God's supernatural. But we don't think supernatural. You see how it slowly, 
just affects us. And Jesus, knowing that, says, oh, I pray that they'll be sanctified in my reality, in my truth, that they will be different. That they will be different. That they will be different. That they'll have joy in this world when everyone else has no joy. That they will be different. That they will be unified and forgiving and caring for one another, even when they're offended with one another. That they will be different because when people see that they are different, I will be glorified and people will come to know Jesus. This is all about more people coming to know Jesus. If you're unified, people will see Jesus. If you're joyful in difficulty, people will say, what's Something's up with you. And truly, if you're kept in him, you're completely different. And you can tell people, I was an idiot. But Christ kept me. But Christ kept me. And the world who thinks that no one loves them or cares about them, but maybe their own family, has no hope because they don't know there's a God who is interceding, pleading for them right now. I hope and pray you leave super encouraged by truth. Your God is pleading for you. And your God wants you to be different. And your God wants you to be one. And your God wants you to forgive. And your God wants you to be filled with his joy. Your God is amazing. And no matter your problem today, no matter what you're going through, he is right with you. And if you don't know him today, why would you not want to know a God like that? Why would you want something else when you have an amazing... I don't know why people continually reject a God who loves them so much. Live in that love. Live in that truth this week. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're interceding and pleading for us even now. Thank you for your body and your blood. God, not only should we be in the body of Christ, things for other people, for our family, for the body of Christ. Lord, help us when we don't know what to pray, to pray for unification. Help us when we don't know what to pray, that people will find the joy of Christ would be fulfilled in your joy. Help us to pray for people that will be kept from evil, not taken out of the world, but kept from evil and may we pray for each other that you would continually sanctify us in your truth and our mind would be renewed to your truth that we would not be conformed to the normal of the world lord stop that give us discerning spirits in your truth Lord, we want to celebrate you. You're so amazing. You're so loving. What a joy to come together and celebrate communion, common thoughts towards of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Dave's going to sing. The elements are in the back. I want you to know 
if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you are forgiven and you are celebrating your forgiveness. Praise God. Quietly and respectfully, as we sing together, you may get the elements. If you need prayer for anything in any way, we'd be happy to pray for you this morning. Let's worship Jesus. Mm -hmm.